right, friends. Uh, we are jumping back into our series called Freedom From. And it's a deeper series. We're talking about things that have power over us, things that keep us in chains. And I believe that Jesus wants to give you freedom tonight. So uh, I think that uh, sometimes simple stories can tell some really deep truths, and uh, I think this is one of them. So uh, if you it would indulge me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off with a story called There's No Such Thing as a Dragon. And uh, you'll be able to follow along because I copied all the pages and put them onto the screen. So, uh, Billy Bixby was rather surprised when he woke up one morning and found a dragon in his room. It was a small dragon, about the size of a kitten. The dragon wagged its tail happily when Billy patted its head. Billy went downstairs to tell his mother, There's no such thing as a dragon, said Billy's mother. And she said it like she meant it. Billy went back to his room and began to get dressed, and the dragon came close to Billy and wagged its tail. But Billy didn't pat it. If there's no such thing as something, it's silly to pat it on the head. Billy washed his face and hands and went down to breakfast, and the dragon went along. It was bigger now, almost the size of a dog. Billy sat down at the table. The dragon sat down on the table. This sort of thing wasn't usually permitted, but... There wasn't much Billy's mother could do about it. She'd already said there was no such thing as a dragon. And if there's no such thing, you can't tell it to get down off the table. Mother made some pancakes for Billy, but the dragon ate them all. Mother made some more, but the dragon ate those too. Mother kept making pancakes until she ran out of batter. Billy only got one of them, but he said it was all he really wanted anyway. Billy went upstairs to brush his teeth. Mother started clearing the table. The dragon, who was quite as big as mother by this time, made himself comfortable on the hall rug and went to sleep. By the time Billy came back downstairs, the dragon had grown so much he filled the hall. Billy had to go around by way of the living room just to get where his mother was. I didn't know dragons grow so fast, said Billy. There's no such thing as a dragon, said mother firmly. Cleaning the downstairs took Mother all morning, what with the dragon in the way, and having to climb in and out of windows to get from room to room. By noon, the dragon filled the house. Its head hung out the front door, its tail hung out the back door, and there wasn't a room in the house that didn't have some part of the dragon in it. When the dragon awoke from his nap, he was hungry. A bakery truck went by. The smell of fresh bread was more than the dragon could resist. The dragon ran down the street after the bakery truck. The house went along, of course, like the shell of a snail. The mailman was just coming up the path with some mail for the Bixby's when the house rushed past him and headed down the street. He chased the Bixby's house for a few blocks, but he couldn't catch it. When Mr. Bixby came home for lunch, the first thing he noticed was that the house was gone. Luckily, one of the neighbors was able to tell him which way it went. Mr. Bixby got in his car and went looking for the house. He studied all the houses as he drove along. Finally, he saw one that looked familiar. Billy and Mrs. Bixby were waving from an upstairs window. 
Mr. Bixby climbed over the dragon's head onto the porch roof and through the upstairs window. How did this happen? Mr. Bixby asked. It was the dragon, said Billy. There's no such thing, Mother started to say. There is a dragon, Billy insisted. A very big dragon. Billy patted the dragon on the head. The dragon wagged its tail happily, then even faster than it had grown, the dragon started getting smaller. Soon it was kitten-sized again. I don't mind dragons this size, said Mother. Why did it have to grow so big? I'm not sure, said Billy, but I think it just wanted to be noticed. The end. Hmm. I start with a story like that because tonight we're we're talking about a topic that many people want to ignore. Just like Billy's mother ignores the dragon. We're talking about sin tonight. Specifically, we're talking about pornography. I fully realize that that's an uncomfortable conversation to have. But if we can't have these types of conversations here, where could we possibly have them? I think that we have to have this conversation because looking at pornography as a joy-stealing, relationship-killing, life-destroying sin. It's a sin that offends God. It's a sin that Jesus died for. It's a sin that some in this room are already struggling with. And because it's uncomfortable, there's kind of this like temptation to just ignore it, to pretend it doesn't exist. But with every single sin, and I think especially pornography, if we ignore it, it will grow, not go away. It has to be addressed by name, brought into the light, and killed so that you can be free. Like I said, this series is called Freedom From, and tonight's message is called Freedom From Pornography. So here's kind of my big idea for tonight. It's that pornography is a sin struggle that cannot be ignored. Pornography is a sin struggle that cannot be ignored. The text that we're going to look at in God's Word tonight is on page four of your Bible. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and get it out and literally turn to page four, Genesis chapter four. If you don't have a Bible and need one, uh, there's a whole stack of them on the shelf over by the front door. And as always, I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, So go ahead, start flipping to Genesis chapter four. Um, But before we get kind of into it, I want to make sure we're all starting off on the same footing tonight. See, pornography is any material that's used for sexual excitement. Pornography can include images, videos, and words that stimulate sexual behavior and feelings. And now, there's, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why somebody might look at porn. I think one of them is, is craving. Like this chemical rush that occurs with pornography might might be someone chasing like a natural high. Another word, one would be controlling. 
Pornography provides an opportunity to find selfish pleasure without considering anybody else in the equation. A third one might be coping. People use pornography like they do any drug to numb internal pain or to escape reality. So regardless of why someone might kind of pursue sexual arousal, like apart from God's design for healthy sex, which we know occurs in the context of a marriage, pornography can't fix the underlying problem. Porn, just like any addiction, kind of masks the true spiritual problem and, and can become a source of pain itself. It can lead to isolation, an inability to live in reality, loneliness, broken relationships, and ultimately, it leads to separation from God. So if this is like your first time like hearing the term pornography, um, my hope tonight is that I can warn you as, as an older brother in Christ about how dangerous this sin is. My prayer for you is that, that you wouldn't ever dabble in it. And if you're in this room and you feel like you have been trapped by pornography for years already, my goal for you tonight is to give you some hope and some strategies for finding freedom. So with all that kind of said, let's get into our text tonight. Genesis chapter 4. Like I said, it'll be up on the screens, but if you have a Bible, I think that's better. Genesis chapter 4, I'm going to start reading right away in verse 1. So if you would, follow along with me. My Bible says, Now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, With the Lord's help, I've produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what's right. But if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So I want to kind of walk us briefly through this passage. And the first thing that happens in this story about Cain and Abel is they both bring these sacrifices to God. And so my first point for you tonight is that Religion doesn't protect you from sin. All right? Religion doesn't protect you from sin. 
Cain and Abel, they bring these sacrifices to God. It's like, it's essentially like they go to church. And Abel, he brings the firstborn fat sheep from his flock. He brought God really the best of what he had to offer. But Cain, Cain's a farmer and he brings some of the produce from his field. And in verse 3, it says it was time for the harvest, but Another way that you could translate that verse from the Hebrew is, is, is at the end of the season, Cain brings the produce from his field. Essentially implying that like Cain waited just to see if he had anything left over. And if he did, then he would bring that to God. Cain gave the leftovers. Abel gave off the top, the best. I think this matters because what we see in these two brothers is a difference in motivation, right? It's all about your heart motivation. Why are you coming to next on a Wednesday night? Why do you go to small groups on a Sunday? Is it just to check a box? To look like the good church kid? To do what your parents expect you to do? Do you really think that checking the box is all you need? You know, they say an apple a day keeps the doctor away, right? Wednesday night keeps God happy with my life. I don't know. I tried to make that rhyme too. If your mindset is, I just need to check this box so I'm good with God, then I think you're in danger. Cain, he does a good thing, but with the wrong motivation. Him checking the box didn't didn't make him immune to sin. It didn't protect him from sin. Just because you're present doesn't mean you're protected. Just because you're going through the right motions doesn't mean that you have the right motivations. Your religious activity doesn't make you immune. Even good church kids can have a porn habit. And I would know because for more than a decade, that was me. So let's keep walking through this passage. I think the next thing we see in the story of Cain and Abel is that sin wants to hide. Sin wants to hide. After Cain's sacrifice gets rejected by God, he gets mad, he gets sad. And God has to warn him about his sin, right? Look back, verses six and seven. God asks, why are you so angry? Why do you look so dejected? You'll be accepted if you do what's right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. God's saying, hey, Cain, be real careful with where you're at right now. You are on the ledge, the tipping point, into something really, really dangerous. You know who crouches? Big cats crouch. Lions, when they're hunting wildebeest, they, they crouch. They, they make themselves seem really, really small. So when the wildebeest looks over in the grass and sees this thing coming towards them, the wildebeest is like, oh, that's really small. It's coming towards me. It's obviously not a threat. 
and then bam, right? The lion pounces, and all of a sudden, it's not so small anymore. It's a really big cat. Sin tries to make itself ignorable. Makes itself seem really small. So that it's not a big deal if you ignore it. Sin kind of tries to make you say, like, nah, like, it's not even real. Like, I don't have a problem. It's not that bad. Like, I can stop anytime I want to. Does that sound familiar? Are those things that you have said? But that sin that starts really small, it begins to grow when you let it hide. Right? Remember what happened to Billy's dragon when it was ignored? Like, it grew until it dominated. That's what sin does. Sin is so sneaky. Pornography, I think, is especially sneaky. It it lies about how serious it is. And it tries to hide, like, away from the light. That's why just showing up to church, pretending everything is okay in your life, that's never going to get you free. You have to take action against it. So I want to give you guys some tools, some things you can actually do right now. And I'm going to kind of give these tools specifically in the context of pornography. That's what we're talking about tonight. But I think that these are tools that you could use regardless of what the sin struggle that you are facing is. Okay? I want you to apply CPR. When someone stops breathing or, like, their heart stops beating, first responders do what? CPR, right? To keep them alive. And so if you want to get free from porn, you need to do some spiritual CPR. So C, confess it. P, pray. And R, remove access. Confess, pray, remove access, CPR. This can literally save your life if you are struggling against a sin, addiction, porn, or anything else. So let's start with C, confess. 1 John chapter 1 says, If we claim that we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves. We're not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, Jesus, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we're calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our hearts. Confession is the act of agreeing with God that your sin really is sin. And the first person you need to confess your sin of pornography to is God. I mean, he already knows Right? He already knows what you've done. God knows everything. But through confession, we align ourselves with God. We agree with God, like, yes, God, this is sin. This offends you. This sent Jesus to the cross, right? You agree with God in confession. And after you've told God, like, I think the next people you'd want to confess to is your community, your safe people, your brothers and sisters in Christ, and my hope my hope for you is that it's your small group here on a Sunday. Like I want your small groups to be the people that you can go to when you're really struggling. It kind of leads us right into the P part, prayer, because James chapter 5 says when you confess 
your sins to each other and you pray for each other that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Like there is healing that comes from being willing to bring your sin to light. Telling somebody that you're struggling and asking them for help, right? When you ask them for help, what they're going to do is pray for you. And God's word said that there's power in that, healing in that. Part of pornography's power is that it can feel so shameful to talk about. You don't want to admit it. You don't want to tell anybody. But if we bring it to light, if we confess it in safe Christian community, we receive prayer from our brothers and sisters in Christ, like we bring it to light and it loses that power. So C, confess, P, pray, R, remove access. Once you have agreed with God that your sin is sin, and after you've prayed with your community, after you've been prayed for by your community, it's time to take steps alongside your brothers and sisters in that community to make sure that you don't look at porn anymore. Matthew chapter 5 is one of the most, I think, straightforward passages about this. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is talking and he says, You've heard it said, you must not commit adultery. But I say, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. See, Jesus is so serious about the steps that, needed, that need to be taken to remove access. I mean, I've had friends throw away their iPhone and get a flip phone with zero internet access. I've had friends who disabled the ability to download apps from the app store unless I typed in a password on their phone. I've had friends who downloaded software onto every computer and every device in their house that tracked what websites they went to and then would send me a report of where they went on the internet at the end of each week. And I have done all of those things over the course of my life in order to pursue freedom, to remove access. It's a helpful tool. So think about what is your access point? Are you willing to cut off your access point in order to find freedom? Even if it means getting rid of your phone. Even if it means you have to go to your parents every single time you want to download an app. If you want freedom, these are the steps. If you want freedom, this can help. So your sin, your addiction to pornography, I'm telling you, it's killing you. And CPR can be a way to find freedom and healing. Confess, pray, remove access. But before I wrap up this message, I want to I wanna look at the end of Cain and Abel's story. You could call this my third point if you want to. It's God loves you, even when you mess up. God loves you, even when you mess up. 
after God warns Cain about the sin that's crouching in his life, hiding. Cain, he does the unthinkable. He murders his little brother. Like, not figuratively, he literally kills his own brother. Look at the story. I'm going to start in verse 8 and read the next couple of verses. It says, one day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Afterward, the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where's Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? But the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. But the story of Cain and Abel, it doesn't end with this murder. It continues on actually into God's faithfulness. You see, Cain, he gets punished for his crime. But in the midst of this punishment, Cain's biggest fear is that somebody's going to come along and kill him to, like, get revenge for Abel. But God still loved Cain, even after he messed up in the most egregious way imaginable. God protected Cain. What I think is so cool is that the same love is available for you. The same forgiveness is actually available for you, even if you've looked at porn recently, even if you've looked at porn every single day for the last week. We have all sinned. We all have blood on our hands, rebelled against God, broke his law. We've tried to be the gods of our own lives. And blood cries out from the ground. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 12. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. You see, the blood of Abel, it speaks a word of condemnation. You messed up again. You'll never be good enough. You're worthless. You fail God too many times. You're unlovable. You're too far gone. But the, the blood of Jesus, the blood that Jesus shed for you on the cross, it speaks a better word. It says you are loved. You are forgiven. You are God's child. You're not too far gone. There is hope for you. So let me circle back to kind of my big idea for tonight. Pornography is a sin struggle that cannot be ignored. And so if tonight was just purely informative for you, hopefully now you know how serious this is. And I'll be praying for you and your continued like steadfastness and faith in the face of a culture that says that this is okay. But if tonight was necessary for like your survival, it's time to stop ignoring the dragon 
and start applying spiritual CPR to find freedom because Jesus loves you way too much to leave you stuck where you are. And so my final word for you tonight is that I'm in this fight with you. Like, I am for you. I'm here to talk. Ryan's here to talk. Grace is here to talk. Your small group leaders are here to talk. It's time for this to stop being a shameful hidden thing. It's time to get sin into the light where it can be dealt with, where you can be healed from it ultimately so you can find freedom from it.